Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, it's been a while since I last did a Q&A segment where I answered your questions uh, that you send me periodically on email. Uh, I get questions all the time. You can send them to me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I like to highlight a few of them and bring them to you on a podcast, so it's kind of a global answer that people can enjoy. Now, sometimes I get questions that are more specifically travel planning type of questions, And as a local, I don't do that much travel planning, so what I generally like to do is send people along to destinations in Florida. That's the authorized Disney travel agent that I recommend through my website and my podcast. So if you'd like to ask them a question directly, just remember to tell them that Dave sent you. So I've had a few of those that that came in, and I suggested they contact them directly, and hopefully they got some answers. Now, in a future podcast, I'd like to bring Shannon back on to answer some of these questions, But in the meantime, I wanted to hit up some of the questions that are more specific in nature to something about Disney World or something that you might be doing. So let's go ahead and get started. The first question I have today comes to us from Sheila. Sheila says, we're planning to go to Disney World with our two older teenagers. We've only been to Disney one other time, so there's still a lot to see. But do you have any suggestions to make this trip extra special since it will be our daughter's senior year in high school and she'll be graduating soon? Thanks. Okay, Sheila, that's a really great question. And since you've only been there one time before, I think you should take a little time and think about some of the things that you or she or your other daughter might like to do. Are there some special things that you might like? Is there a particular character she might like to see? Uh, Is there somewhere maybe that's a special dining experience that she might like? As older teenagers, there may be some things that they might like to do a little bit. You might also want to think about you know, letting your two daughters kind of go off on their own. And you experience some things with your husband, and you go off and, uh, and do those a little bit, and then meet back up at a special time. She might really enjoy t- spending time with her sister at a favorite place like this. Then also, I would try and make sure that you experience as much as you can to take in some of the fun things that you want to do. Decide whether you want to watch the fireworks in the Magic Kingdom, maybe Fantasmic, or perhaps go over to Epcot and watch the Elimination Show. And, or maybe all of those, and take them all in and find a place to kind of sit down and relax and really enjoy them and kind of enjoy it as a family. There's something special about that, about being there with your family and just really enjoying that. I'd also suggest maybe you have a little fun. Get one of the pins that, uh, that they offer at uh, City Hall or one of the other guest relations spots in the other parks and make sure that the pin says, I'm graduating or it's, it's something, it's a special occasion. You know, like they, they do these pins for special occasions. Make sure that it says something on it so that people will interact with her. It makes it just a little bit more fun when the cast members walk up and they share in your celebration with you. Trust me on this. As a former cast member, it's one of the fun things that you can do. You might also want to go out and uh, pick up some mouse ears that uh, have your names on them. And that way it's sort of a special family bonding moment where you're all wearing them. Maybe you get a couple of t-shirts made up so that it's like, you know, my senior trip or something like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's my senior trip on your daughter and then uh, my sister's senior trip on her sister's shirt and my daughter's senior trip on your shirt and that sort of a thing where it becomes something that's a little bit more interactive and people will stop and talk to you. It just makes it that much better. Now, 
I would suggest that you just enjoy all the things that you want to enjoy. Just take it like a Disney vacation, but make sure you, you take time to, to stop and have a little fun and find out some of the things that she wants to do. You know, what's one of your favorite uh, places to dine? Maybe, you, maybe you've never been there and you want to try it. You should definitely go in and try it. Maybe Be Our Guest Restaurant would be a, a great choice for you. If there's a specific type of food, maybe go around and find that type of food somewhere and make a dining reservation at one of those uh, at a location that serves it. There's a lot of really nice restaurants at, uh, in, in the Walt Disney World Resort, and I would suggest that you just find one or two that you can go to and really just enjoy it with both of your daughters. I think it really is just important that you find the family time and the quality time to sit there and enjoy it. I might also suggest that if you're planning on staying on property, pick a hotel that's really themed to something that you're really interested in. So maybe she's a uh, fan of one of the uh, Disney animated movies, and that would be a great opportunity to stay maybe at the Art of Animation Resort. Or maybe you stay at one of the deluxe resorts. Uh, there's a great opportunity there to really have some fun and enjoy it. You know, there's a lot of theming that goes on at the hotels. There's a lot of things that happen in the hotels that you can have some fun with. But by all means, just have fun. Don't stress too much about it. Just relax, enjoy yourselves, and just go out there and have some fun. I mean, there's a, it's a great time to go out there and just really enjoy it. And like I said, you know, with a button or a shirt or something like that, you can really get engaged with other people and really make it a lot of fun. You might also want to think about um, picking up a couple of collector pins, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the pins that you would pin trade normally. They have some for graduation and some other special occasions like that. You might want to think about picking up a couple of those and maybe doing a little pin trading while you're there. You know, something fun and interactive that just makes it really exciting. Oh, and by the way, if you do make a dining reservation, make sure you tell them it's your daughter's special day, that she's graduating from high school soon. It's her special day, and I guarantee you the cast members in that dining establishment will do everything in their power to make it fun for her. So, really, just go out there and make sure that everyone knows when you make your dining reservations, when you make your hotel reservations, when you check in, make sure you have some fun things that you can do. She'll love it, and she'll remember it for a lifetime, and so will you. The next question comes from Maria. Maria says... We bought a package, and it includes two mini-golf vouchers uh, with it. We're looking at playing some mini-golf on our trip, and I have a couple of questions. Can we walk from, fan from the Fantasia Golf Course to the Flying Fish Cafe? If we go to the Winter and Summerland, is it $12 to play both, or is it $12 and for just one of the two? Do you think it'd be really crowded in late January, and how many people really do mini-golf in the winter? Okay, let's try and break these down a little bit. Where the Fantasia Mini Golf Course is, is very near the boardwalk area. So you can absolutely walk from Fan the Fantasia Mini Golf over to the uh, Flying Fish Cafe. You can walk over to the boardwalk from there. The distances in that area really aren't that great. It's an easy walk. Now, you do have to cross the street at one point, but it's really not that hard. Just follow the signs or ask a cast member, and they'll point you in that direction. Of course, bus transportation is also available should you need it. Now, as far as paying the greens fee at the uh, mini golf courses, it is $12 for each course. Now, as you've correctly identified, the Fantasia Mini Golf is a single mini golf course. Now, the other two courses are actually next to Blizzard Beach, and they're contained together. So it's the Winter Summerland courses, and there are actually two mini golf courses there. One is a very winter-themed course, and the other one is sort of a, hey, it's summer in the winter town kind of course. And they're independent courses. There are actually, if you look at the big picture, there are three mini golf courses on Disney property. So that's the uh, Fantasia, the Winter, Summerland, and then the Summer. And each one has an admission fee to it. Now the good news is, if you play one course and then the same day play a second course, you get 50% off on the second course. So it does work out to your advantage just a little bit to go ahead and play both if you want to, because you can play both for $18, which is a pretty good deal, actually, if you think about it. Now as far as the uh, crowd levels... The crowd levels in January start to taper off as soon as the new year hits. 
it uh, really tapers off until you get to about President's Day weekend. And the crowds are a lot less around all of the activities in the uh, Walt Disney World Resort. That includes the theme parks, and it also includes the mini golf courses. The other cool thing about the mini golf courses is that they sort of stagger the start times for everybody. So they, you, they, you pay for the course, and then they give you a, a sheet, and they ask for your name. And you can go off and wander through the little shops that are there and just sit in the shade if you want or go and play a video arcade game, whatever you like, and then they'll call your name to come out and play. So they do a good job of kind of managing the crowd so that you're not having a lot of people kind of playing around you throughout your uh, cycle on the course, which is really kind of makes it a lot better than some of the other courses that are out there. So you can, uh, you can definitely take advantage of that. And if they're not crowded, you'll wait a minute or two before you go on the course, and they may just tell you to go ahead and, and step out there. If they are crowded, they'll let you know that when you first get there and give you an idea of what the wait time would look like. So it's kind of nice the way they take care of it, and they actually try to, like I said, they stagger people in there, so it makes it a heck of a lot easier to play, and it feels less rushed. So I hope that answered your question. The next question I have comes from Jesse. We're planning to attend the Hoopty Doo Musical Review on the night we arrive in September of 2013. We've looked into it a little bit, and we've decided to drive our own car from the resort that night instead of trying to catch a bus to one of the parks and then transferring to Fort Wilderness, only to have to transfer buses again on the way home after a long night. However, we've only been to Disney once as adults, and we use the buses. I would have no clue how to get anywhere driving in my car. Is there a map of the entire Disney property available? I've searched online but can't find anything. Well, the good news is, first of all, there, is, there are a couple of maps available online. And uh, I will put one in my show notes so that you have it. I'll put a link to it so anyone's welcome to, uh, to take a copy of it. It's an overall map of the uh, entirety of the Walt Disney World property. Of course, Google Maps is also available if you want to go out there and just look at the uh, maps for the uh, Disney property. And I actually find that kind of fun. It's a little whim once in a while to go out there and just look at the Disney property and look at Spaceship Earth from the top. It's kind of a fun way to look at the parks. So you can certainly do that and use that to your advantage, and all the streets are named. The other thing to keep in mind is Disney is marvelous at keeping track of all the street names and giving you arrows to point to exactly where you need to go. So as you're driving along, if you've ever noticed this while you're riding on the bus, you'll see a sign that says Magic Kingdom, right lanes. And then you're going along a little bit later, it says Magic Kingdom this way, and it takes you out that way. But what happens if you miss the Magic Kingdom? Well, guess what? There's another set of signs that'll come up in a little while that'll tell you how to get back to the Magic Kingdom. They're really good at keeping you on, on pace and making sure that you know where to, how to get to where you're going. It's a really tremendous thing they do. It's not like driving in most cities where it's kind of like, ah, I feel stressed about trying to get from point A to point B, because it's really different, and they do a very good job of keeping people who really aren't familiar with the area going in the right direction and getting to where they need to go. Um, so you, you can certainly do that and just follow the signage. It's actually very easy to just follow the signs and get right to where you want to go. And then just generally, remember that the Fort Wilderness Campground is kind of near the entrance to the Magic Kingdom. There's a turnoff you go through to, to actually go uh, to the Fort Wilderness Campground. So you just uh, you go through there, and it's actually fairly easy. But just kind of remember that in terms of context about where you are. And then to get back to your resort, similarly, there's a lot of signs that take you to the hotel. I'd also recommend, if you're prone to getting lost easily, pick up a GPS uh, for your car. Or uh, use your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can use the GPS in the smartphone. And either way, it'll help you to get to exactly where you want to go and get you back on track. A lot of them have the street names in there and make it fairly easy to get to uh, get around. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Hoopty Doo Musical Review is actually on the far end of the uh, Fort Wilderness Campground. So when you enter the Fort Wilderness Campground, you're up in the front. 
essentially. And the back part uh, of the Fort Wilderness Campground is actually back by Bay Lake. And the Hoopty Doo Musical Review is actually in the uh, Pioneer Hall that's back by the uh, Bay Lake. So you have to get from the front to the back, and you can't drive your car straight through. They don't let you do that. There's only a limited amount of parking in the back. Um, you can always ask at the gate. But if, that's, if you can't do that, what you can do is park up in the front of the Fort Wilderness Campgrounds. There's a number of parking spaces up there. And then just take the bus from there back to the Pioneer Hall. And then you would take the bus from Pioneer Hall back to the parking lot. It's not a huge deal. It's one little bus trip you take, and it makes it a little bit easier. You can also walk through the entirety of Fort Wilderness, but it is a little long, and I don't recommend doing that necessarily. If you have the ability to, do, uh, to take another option, one way you could get to the Fort Wilderness campground is by boat. So you can come from the Magic Kingdom or from the uh, Contemporary Resort, or actually I believe there's also um, launches that come from the Polynesian and the uh, Grand Floridian as well. And you'll come across, and they'll pull up to the dock in the back part of Fort Wilderness, very near Pioneer Hall. So if it's possible for you to take the boat over, that's actually a fairly easy way to get there, and you'll get there pretty quickly. Uh, allow for a little bit of time in transit, as always, but uh, it's a little bit easier, and then you don't have to do uh, two modes of transportation to get there. So it's something to think about, depending on where you're staying and what you're doing. Okay, our next question comes from Robert. Do you know anything about FastPass Plus and how it will work? I'll be down in the world in February and wondered how it might benefit or hurt me. I haven't decided whether to stay on property yet or if this will impact my decision. Okay. Robert, that's a really good question. And FastPass Plus is something that's still being developed and implemented. Generally, the way it's going to work, at least for the short term, is if you're staying on Disney property and you've been selected or you're in the group that's going to be using FastPass Plus, because right now not everybody is, you'll be selected to go ahead and select some attractions that you want to see and what times and what days you want to see them on. There's like Group A and Group B of attractions, so it's the less popular attractions there in Group A, and you can select a couple of those, and the more popular attractions there in Group B. You have to kind of plan carefully, and it lets you to be an Uber planner and figure out which attractions you want to go to on which days, so if this day you're going to be in the Magic Kingdom, you'd want to do that, and so forth. For the foreseeable future, there will still be the Fast Pass as we know it today available at all the parks. Now, that could change in the future. I'm not sure if that will or not, but it certainly could change in the future. Now, what will happen is sometimes, you know, as they add more people to this FastPass Plus system and they let more people take advantage of it, there will be smaller and smaller windows for you to get a FastPass and be able to come back and, and uh, take the attraction on at that time. Also, FastPass Plus is being expanded into some of the restaurants, like the Be Our Guest restaurant, and also to some of the uh, unique experiences, and also to some other things like Illuminations, a special viewing area for FastPass Plus members. This is, something that, uh, this is something you want to keep in mind as you're thinking about your plan. Now, if you're selected for it in the near future, and you're going in February, so it may not matter to you. My suggestion is, for now, if you're going in February, just go ahead and go and make your decision about where you want to stay based on your own criteria, and then stay there. You'll still have the ability to use FastPass. You'll still have the ability to experience all of the same things. It just may be a little bit uh, tighter in the time frames that you can use to be able to get back. And remember, with the changes, now FastPass actually enforces the end time. It used to be when they'd give you a time on the FastPass and it would say come back between 1.05 and 2.05, you could come back at 4.05 and they'd let you come in. Now if you come back at 2.10, they'll tell you you're too late. So you need to be aware of that too and just make sure you're using your FastPasses appropriately. 
Now, depending on when you're going in February, earlier in one of the other questions, I mentioned that until President's Day weekend, the parks really aren't that crowded. If you're going early in February, you really won't have much of an issue anyway. If you're going a week or so after President's Day, up until when Easter is, and I believe Easter this year is in the second week of March, if I'm not mistaken, if you go in that window of about three weeks in there, you'll have a nice time too that won't be so crowded at the park either. So it really depends on where you're going. It's just that one period of time right around President's Day for about a week before, four or five days before, and about four or five days after, it's a little crowded in the parks. Uh, certainly more than it would be any other time. So I hope that answered your question, and I'm going to have to do some more detailed looks at FastPass Plus as I get more information about it. And I hope you have a great trip in February. Next up is a question from Michelle. I've never been to the Animal Kingdom. My husband thinks that there will not be enough for us to do to spend a full day there. What are your thoughts? Hey, Michelle, you're talking to a convert. When I first heard about Animal Kingdom, I was like, yeah, whatever, an animal park. Sure, sounds great. And I actually didn't visit the park until it had been open for almost five years, if you can believe that. I'd been to the park several times. I'd taken my kids. We went to, uh, we went to the other parks. But I never really thought much about Animal Kingdom. Then I took my son to Animal Kingdom, and we had some fun, and it was nice, and I really enjoyed it. And I liked some of the shows and some of the things they were doing. And I said, oh, this is kind of a cool park. And since then, I've become somebody who really enjoys this park. There is much more to take in than you would ever think. It's, I think the, one of the early ad campaigns they used to run was, it's not a zoo. <laughs> not a zoo. Animal Kingdom. It's many, many things, but remember it. Because that was the impression people had that it was a zoo, and it really isn't. It is. There's a sort of a zoo aspect to some portions of it, but there's a lot of different things to do there, and it's really kind of a fun park to go to. Now, remember that it traditionally keeps uh, shorter hours than, say, the Magic Kingdom or Epcot or even the studios. You know, typically during the uh, summertime, they're open no later than seven, and during the winter. It's no later than 6, so there's really kind of a tighter time frame to see everything. So you're only there for, you know, 8 or 9 hours would be a full day. Now, if you have a park hopper, that's no problem. You can head over to one of the other parks afterward. But I recommend spending some time there. Walk around, check it out, look at the different things there are. There's several thrill rides there. The Kilimanjaro Safaris is a lot of fun. Expedition Everest is really cool. The uh, Cali River Rapids is a lot of fun. And then some of the shows are just tremendous. Uh, so if you walk over and you see the uh, Festival of the Lion King, I love that show. I think it is just fantastic. I think it's one of the greatest shows. Just the way it's all put together and some of the thoughts that go into it. It's the Lion King story, but with a lot of um, high action in it. It's almost a Cirque du Soleil type show. And then you don't want to miss the Finding Nemo the musical. That is really a spectacular show. It's really well thought out uh, in terms of what they do. And uh, the giant puppets interacting with the puppeteers, it's really something special, and it's a lot of fun. Plus, you should also go over and check out some of the uh, forest trails that are back there. You have the uh, Maharaja Jungle Track and the uh, uh, Panjani Forest, and I would definitely recommend doing either one of those. Because they're really interesting. You get to see some wildlife a little bit closer than you might otherwise and uh, be, able to, be able to check it out. And I really enjoy going to that park and kind of checking into, just checking out the richness of the story that they're telling. Now, as far as places to eat, the Yak and Yeti is fantastic. I really enjoyed that restaurant. 
as you may have heard on my recent podcast, and I've been thinking about it since May, honestly. It's just, it was a really nice dining experience. It was really quite good. And then also, um, the Flame Tree Barbecue. The barbecue there is really, is really good, and it's worth uh, spending a few minutes there. Um, and it's just a fun kind of place to just go around and just check out a, a lot of different things. Now, even over at uh, the Dino Land, when you go over there, the uh, Primeval World is really a nice little roller coaster. And the, uh, the dinosaur um, ride is really pretty clever, too. They've, very, they've thought it out pretty well. So, you know, it's worth spending some time there. And, you know, if you can spend the nine hours, it's really, it's really worth spending the time and going and checking out all these things. Then at least you can say you've done it and decide whether you want to come back and spend a full day there again. That's my take on it. And, uh, you know, I would have told you if you'd asked me five years ago what I thought about it, I would have said, eh, half day, you know, whatever. But since I've spent more time there, I've really come to enjoy it, and I really like that park. Um, it's kind of moving up the uh, charts to be my second favorite. And the last question is sort of a compilation of different questions that I've received over time. Basically, the question goes something like this. Is there any way to get a discount on my Walt Disney World vacation? And unfortunately, the short answer is no. Certainly, value-wise, if you piece together hotel, dining, and theme park tickets, it does provide a savings over purchasing them individually. Um, you can travel off-peak, and that'll certainly help you save you some money. You can take advantage of the discounts such as certain clubs, AAA memberships, the annual pass savings, being a Florida resident helps. There are bounce-back offers where if you book your next vacation while you're still on your current vacation, you can get a savings on the hotel rate and some of the other perks along with that. Uh, and the dates are a little bit flexible, so you can certainly use that to your advantage if you happen to get a bounce-back offer. Uh, once in a while, there'll be promotional codes that Disney puts out. Once in a while, they'll send out something, mailers or emails, to, uh, to give you some sort of pin code to have a savings on something. And then, of course, if you purchase through the uh, Disney Vacation Club, you can get a long-term savings if you think about it that way. And the other way you can save, of course, is to go and uh, use an authorized Disney Vacation travel planner, such as Destinations in Florida, and you can save a little bit of money that way because they can package some things together and save you a little bit of money. And I'll have to admit, I hadn't really given it much more thought than that. But then I talked it over with my wife. Now, she's a savvy shopper who uses coupons pretty regularly. She's no extreme couponer, but she's pretty smart about the way she uses coupons and does some things. Now, incidentally, as kind of an aside, she is putting together a blog to share some of this information with other people. I'll put a link in my show notes, assuming that she has it up and running by the time this show airs. And if not, I'll uh, mention it in the future, just so you have some reference to it. Anyway, as one of these people who uses some of these coupons and is really smart about shopping, she decided to take it on as somewhat of a personal challenge. Her premise, how can you get a discount on a Disney vacation? And she found an answer that actually blew me away. It's all about stacking, which is the couponing term for using multiple coupons. It all started when she got an email that gave her a Target gift card in the amount of $10 on her next purchase at Target of $50 or more. Then, one of the random coupons that printed at the register was $8 off of 80 on a future purchase. So naturally, she put them together, along with a Target charge card that automatically gives you 5% off purchases. So that meant, when she walked over to the gift card rack and picked up a $75 Disney gift card, plus a few items that she needed anyway to, to take the purchase price to over $80, that meant that the $10 gift card that she had gotten on a previous purchase plus the $8 in savings, plus 5% of the remaining balance, or about $3, amounts to $21 in savings. So $21 off of $75, so that's almost 30% off of what the gift card cost. That is just amazing to me. And the amazing thing to me was, this was completely repeatable. 
And that's because she kept getting these emails for ten, a $10 gift card off a $50 purchase. Plus, she got more of the $8 off 80 from the register rewards, and she was always getting the 5% on her Target gift card. So she was able to actually use the first time she purchased a $75 gift card and got the money back. She got another Target $10 gift card, and she was able to turn that around and use it on the next purchase and so on. At the end of the day, essentially, she bought $375 worth of Disney gift cards for $270. Now, as they might say, shnikes! That's 30% off a round of tickets, hotels, meals, whatever we want to use it on because it's a Disney gift card. We can use it on any part of our Disney vacation. And since we're not planning on going again as a family in the immediate future, that means we can be on the lookout for more offers that are equally as good, maybe even better. Now, one of the critical things here was that the Target gift card, of the $10 gift card that we were getting, plus the $8 off 80 neither one of them had restrictions on purchasing gift cards. So that's an important facet in this that allowed us to use it. Now, I imagine there are other stores out there that have similar sort of promotions and different deals that you can do. You really just have to pay attention to the terms and conditions and being able to stack a couple of these things in order to get a, a good discount for yourself. So, in short, it occurs to me that there are ways to get discounts on your Disney vacation that are outside of the norm. And that just blew me away that my wife was able to figure that out and come up with something that actually saved us 30% off of the cost of a Disney vacation. That just amazes me, and I was just so fascinated by that. And, and that gives me a true understanding of the value of coupons. So I wanted to share that with you, and please do use it to your advantage. I mean, if, if stores are going to offer promotions that are going to give you a discount, how could you go wrong? You really, you really can't. It's just amazing to me that that's out there and available, and most people don't take advantage of it. So that's our little secret. Shh, don't tell anybody. Well, that's all the questions I have for this week. Now, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you that I have two iPhone apps that are available that are Disney-related. The first one is the uh, pin trading app, and it's available for both the iPhone and the iPad. And what you can do is take pictures of all of your pins, describe them, put them in categories, and then they're completely searchable. So it's like having your virtual library with you when you're out there and you're doing pin trading. It's a really cool app, I think, and uh, we've used it several times when we're out there. When my kids are asking, hey, do we have this pin? I can easily just search it and find out if we have it or not. It's available in the iTunes store for 99 cents, and uh, I'll put a link to it in my show notes if you're interested. The other one is my Hidden Mickeys app, and uh, I actually have a Hidden Mickeys app that's for the iPhone and another one that's for the iPad based on the real estate. Each one is 99 cents also, but it's a community-supported app that allows you to see and share Hidden Mickeys around the parks. So if you see one that you say, hey, I don't remember seeing this one in the database, take a picture of it and you can add it to the database. I have a small group of editors that go through and just verify the content that's out there and help position things differently if maybe somebody missed it or put it in the wrong location or something like that. So we keep it up to date. But hidden Mickeys, to me, are a lot of fun to find. It's just one of those things that's an enjoyable thing to do while you're out in the parks. And for only a buck, how could you go wrong? I'm planning on making a few enhancements to the app in the near future. So uh, if you have any suggestions on things you'd like to see in it, please do let me know. And that is it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and remember to keep those questions coming. It's davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'm always happy to answer questions about Disney. It's just fun. This is something fun that I enjoy, I'm passionate about. Look, this is just a, a labor of love, in a sense, where I'm just out there and doing this because it's really a lot of fun. So that's it for this week. Remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? 
Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash SoundA. Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show. You can find links to other great Disney podcasts, as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney buzz on DisneyPodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a Hidden Mickeys app for finding and sharing Hidden Mickeys at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists. Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safely. Show number... 123.